This is Memorial Day weekend, and for many of us, it is a thin place. I can remember that my son was always aimed toward the military and knew that's where he's going, and he was about nine when he watched the, uh, the Turner production called Gettysburg, which took, I don't know, like four hours to watch, but he would watch it again and again. And we lived at that time in Morgantown, West Virginia, and there was a uh, Civil War cemetery there, and he asked if we could go put some flags out. And so you go out with your nine-year-old son knowing he's headed toward the military as soon as he can get there, and he's putting these flags out. It was a thin place. It's a meeting of the physical and the spiritual, and it'd be harder to find a better example of that than, than that of death. Now, this is not to be a downer. Please understand, death does something for us. And we're going to talk about that as well. So don't turn off thinking this is a depressing day. Next week, we'll talk about birth. And I've had people say, well, why don't you do birth first? Well, it's Memorial Day this weekend. But also, sometimes we need to think about death first. In churches, they used to have up on front on an altar or near the pulpit a a skull or a bone or something that they called a memento mori, which meant uh, a reminder of death. You always to keep it in mind. The why of that we'll talk about, but think of the euphemisms we use. They're all traveling somehow, like past, passed on, passed over, gone before us, they're beyond the veil, they've crossed the Jordan, they've gone to a better place, they've gone to their reward, they've gone the way of all flesh, they've joined the choir invisible, a poet had to put that one in. They've gone home with Jesus. We don't use biological terms for, for death, like brain death, respiratory collapse, and cell. We don't do that, and I'm, I'm glad we don't. But that's not the point. The point is, we speak of death in terms of a meeting and a crossing, because it's an ultimate thin place. Shakespeare had Hamlet. Now, if you want to be depressed, Hamlet's a good place to go. He is, and most of you know the, uh, that at least you can quote the to be or not to be, but he goes on and says, that is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against them, arms against the sea of troubles, and by opposing in them to die to sleep no more. And then he adds this, to die to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil might give us pause. In other words, what happens next? That's what concerns us. He, he finishes his soliloquy, which is a, a, a poetic way of saying the guy talks to himself a lot, saying there's the respect that makes the calamity of so long life. In other words, not knowing is why we want to stay here so long that we sometimes prolong it and prolong our misery at the same time. We could pick a dozen passages out of Ecclesiastes for this, for it's a book all about the fact that death is out there. And, but that flavors your life. Look at Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, 
when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the well broken at, at the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. I said that this flavors life, and that may, you may look at that and go, how does that flavor life? Well, it does because we value what is limited. And because life is limited, death flavors life. It gives us a bit of a thrill. We, we celebrate. We celebrate holding hands because that's go there's going to be a last time. We celebrate the hugs and the smiles, and we celebrate looking at different things because there's going to be a last time. We celebrate cake because we might run out of cake. <laughs> Used to be cake was rare. It would show up just at your birthday. Now we have cake, and it's, it's like, but it still could go away. I used to be a rather heavy fellow, and I realized, I should, as a shrink, I should have realized it earlier. Every time I stopped at a petrol station, a gas station, I, um, I'd go in and buy a snack. And it dawned on me, the only reason I'm doing it is because I can. Because when I was a kid, we'd say, can we have a snack? And there was no money. And he'd go, no. And so when there was a snack, he, he would buy a bottle of soda for the entire back seat. Being the youngest one, I got it last. So... All, all sodas kind of spit-flavored to me. <laughs> but it was a precious thing. It was, oh, and cake. We might not have, we'd better eat the cake. There's a last time to drive, a last time to see that mountain or that lake or that sunrise, and it, it makes every event special. I used to have a parrot, or the parrot used to have me. We had many discussions about that. Scooby was named after a dog because when we found her, she was uh, in a horrible place and she was around dogs and she thought she was one. I learned a lot from Scooby in the years she was with me, but the best lesson was the way she celebrated every morning and every evening. It startled me at first. First thing in the morning, she got very loud for a good half hour and then at night, She'd get very loud for a half hour. And this was a kind of parrot that isn't normally loud. So I went to talk to parrot people, and they said, all parrots do that. They celebrate every morning and celebrate every night. And I went, oh, my bird's more appreciative of the Savior than I am. I learned from her. I learned from kids in the back seat pointing out excitedly every single cow on a two-day trip out west or every single truck. You get the idea. What do parents do? Well, parents don't celebrate the cow. They assume another one's coming. They don't celebrate the truck. They've seen it before. And whenever they start a game, they tire of a game and want it ended. My three grandsons... Whenever you start something with them, cancel your plans. <laughs> Whether it is a flip or a joke or a wrestling move or a, what you're going to be doing that the rest of the day. And whenever I show up now, a 
because I taught Ollie, who Oliver is our, our almost three-year-old, a couple of things. Every time I show up now, he looks at me and thinks, that's what he is on the planet for. Granda is here for me to do this. And we immediately get into it, no matter if I'm tired, back hurt, doesn't matter. The children don't want it ended because I believe that they see something we do not. And that is that moments end. And they must be grasped with great enthusiasm before they get past us. Robin Williams starred in the classic film Dead Poet Society and taught a whole bunch of Americans their first Latin, carpe diem, seize the day. It became part of our common consciousness, our cultural speech, seize the day. Why? Because of that thing we're avoiding. We, av we avoid death. We don't want to talk about it. We hide our age up to a point, and then a switch is blown, and we're proud of it. But for a long time, we hide it, and we fight it. My wife and I have a, a, a woman that we, we, uh, we respect quite a bit uh, for her accomplishments and just who she is. And she's got a new book out, and we looked at the picture on the front, and I said, they photoshopped her. Now, I, I think I know she would not have wanted that. But they took away, they almost Botoxed her face. And I'm going, but her face, it's a beautiful face. And we both agreed, why do people do this? They're afraid of getting old. They're afraid. They're afraid of losing their strength. And we don't buy insurance when we should because we think doing that is just going to make people happy we're dead. Well, maybe. Maybe your wife needs to date a better class of person next time around. So buy the insurance. When somebody goes in a hospital, we avoid visiting. And I'd like to correct that notion, that error in our culture. Death is a thin place, and it needs to be a part of our consciousness in early, daily life. The writer of Ecclesiastes got this, and people have avoided his book thinking it's depressing. But in fact, it's liberating. He says, do what you do. Enjoy it. Rejoice in the temporary, for it is all temporary. Don't anticipate your death and be sad. Anticipate it and live in the rest of the dash. Now, there are very, very different versions of this story. When I, I teach a death and dying course from time to time uh, to medical professionals up in Ohio at Ohio State, and I, one of the things I will do, and they don't like this, but I will say, you have to be here for 24, 48, whatever it is to keep your license, you're doing it. Put a dot on a page to represent where you were born and then put a dot for the day you die. And they'll do that. And I'll say, now connect them with a the line. They'll do that. Then I'll say, now put a dot representing where you are on the line. Oh, they don't like that. They don't like, and they cheat. They cheat. You'll see a 60-year-old going, well, I'm kind of middle-aged. No, you're not going to live to 120. We need to move this over a little bit. And once they finally get the dot there, I say, I want you to draw a circle around where you are on the line and the end of the line. And they'll do that. And I'll say, that's all you've got. Live it. Do something with it. Make a difference in that. Make, rejoice with this. Because that's your time. Sometimes they don't get this. But then as I talk to them, I'll talk to them. And I'm really using Ecclesiastes and they don't know it. But look at Second Peter if you want to. A stark one. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. 
since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? That's a good question. Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. We're wanting this to... Yes, we are. In keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Why would you look forward to that? Because we don't look upon that as a cataclysm and an end and in chaos. We look upon that as a, as a step through the thin place to where God wants us to be, to who we will be. As the, as the scripture says, who we are and what, that, that does not appear at present, but we will be changed. A healthy person lives with that in their mind, for it's real, even if you don't like it. And that's a sign of maturity, when you can accept what is, even if you don't like what is. But you can accept it. I got it. This is my reality. Most of us are surrounded with previews of coming attractions, and we don't get it. We will, I, I've had people say, oh, you know, they see a house on House Hunters or something, and I'll say, oh, that's within sight of a cemetery. I don't want to be in that. Really? I understand for resale value that could be an issue. But what's so, fr what's so frightening there? We're in Tennessee. It's an old state. You drive around, you'll see a house abandoned. Think about that house for a moment. It was a dream. It was a gift. It was a, it was a place of laughter, of joy, of tears, and heartache, and loss. And now we don't know who owned it, where it was, and why it was abandoned. It's just something happened, and their time passed. Should that depress us, or should that make us go to our house and have the laughter and the joy while we can? Look at Craigslist. Actually, don't. It's, it's a pet. Uh, but if you go there, you'll see that people bought things. And they thought, they were certain, this will bring me joy. This will, this will solve my problem. This will give me a better life. And it worked for a while. But then it quit working. It went from, this will make me ha happy. I must have it to, what will you give me for it? Sometimes we would drive about. We lived in West Virginia for several years, and we'd drive about, and there'd be yard sales out there. And I was never tempted to, to stop because if it wasn't measuring up to the standards of the people in that trailer, I'm not sure I needed it in my house. But something in them, and, and because it was that time in our nation's culture, there'd be tables of baby beanies out there. It was uh, beanie babies. That's right. Sorry, I did it. I'm, I'm dyslexic. I... I I, you know, I, I pray every night to, to dog. Uh, it's, it's, I, have to, I have to work on it. Work on it. I'm actually not dyslexic. I'm just mentally different. Um, I'm eccentric. There you are. Captain eccentricity. Let's move on, shall we? The point. People bought all these things, and this is my retirement. This will make me rich. And now they're just saying, get these out of here. It's the way it works. It's the way it always works. Go to a Salvation Army store or Goodwill store. Things were purchased. This will make me happy. No, it, and it did for a bit. Look at the music you used to buy. And grown-ups, let's be very honest about this. We'll criticize the music of, the, of today, and we should. It's rubbish. But we also bought rubbish. 
we also bought things we hope our kids never find. There are pictures we have found of ourselves in the 70s and 80s, and we've quietly gone to the backyard to burn them. And the 60s, we'll look at the picture and say, I remember nothing, because if you lived in the 60s, the odds that you remember it are pretty poor. <laughs> Things moved on. So, so what, what should we do as we contemplate the end of the road? I think we should do as Paul told us in Ephesians, redeem the time. The time that you have, enjoy that time. Do what Jesus told you to do. Send your treasure ahead of you so it's waiting for you in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. There goes half the commercials. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus didn't say, you can't take it with you. He said, send it ahead. Think about that. What can you take with you? What can you send ahead as you take that journey through that, that thin place, that one step that takes you through to him? I think you'll take what you've made of your life. You'll take your memories I remember that uh, I read about this. I never got to meet Marshall Keeble. We were actually ready to go where he was going to speak when he passed. And so I never got to meet him. But somebody, and I'm, this is not an exact quotation, but somebody asked him, will we know each other in heaven? And his response was, I don't plan to be any stupider up there than I am down here. And I loved that. I was just a kid, but I remember someone telling me about this, and I loved it. The loves of your life will go with you. Your mission trips, your love of char your charity work, the knowledge you've gained by going through all this hard knock universe goes with you. I think the loves of your life go with you. I've had people come to me saying, I'm not sure if I want to go to heaven. I love my wife or I love my husband and there's no marrying or giving in marriage. Jesus was answering a little legal cultural issue they were dealing with. Don't worry. You'll still be very special to each other in heaven. Your love goes with you. The love of my children will go with me. The love of this church will go with me because every day I send some of it ahead thanking God for you and talking about you. And that's all stored up up there. I'm not going to leave that behind. I hope to leave a lot of love behind me. Somebody asked me, what I wanted on my tombstone, this is years ago when we were doing one of these death classes. He says, what do you want on your tombstone? And I said, uh, not down here yet. And that, they, they, they didn't like that one. Uh, I wanted to, so I, I thought about some others. All, all I came up with was, he loved us. I, I'd like to be remembered for that. And um, that's a hard job, actually, because some of you are making it hard. Uh, <laughs> You know, God told me to love everybody, but you don't have to make it this hard, people. We're to love everyone. In the wake of your passing, you'll leave some things that will blossom and grow. Memories, knowledge, relationship, the seeds of your good work, the actions you took by faith, those will be left behind while the good is sent ahead. Someone years ago referred to Fourth Avenue as an ice-breaking ship. Those of you who have lived all your lives in the South may not get it, but up in the Great Lakes and beyond, you have to have a special ship go ahead of the other ships. 
It takes the punishment and breaks the ice so that the others can come. And I said, you know, that is what Fourth Avenue is. We'll take the arrows, we'll break the ice, because that's what we do, and we will leave that behind. So don't mourn the loss of yesterday. I went to do something recently and found out I can't really do that anymore. Instead of being sad, I thought, cool, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Some of you guys are too old to play basketball with the young guys, and you won't admit it. And you'll get out there, and then you, you know, stock in Advil goes up because you are popping pills like a Pez container for the next week or two. Why don't instead you just rejoice, I don't have to do that. I can do something else. Who's up for a game of cards? <laughs> My wife and I, when we came back to America, the church we went to were very serious about euchre. I didn't know what it was. And we only got to play it once because I had a lifetime ban. I, I didn't take it seriously enough. <laughs> I was joking, evidently. It's life and death. So, um, do what you, so people, here we go. What does Ecclesiastes tell us? What does Jesus tell us? love one another, and along the way, while you're on the road, eat the food you want to. Oh, go on. You'll say, oh, but if I do that, I'll die. Hey, newsflash. You're going to anyway. <laughs> Told you the story years ago, I'm sure, but I was in my office in Rochester, Michigan, eating a Krispy Kreme donut because Krispy Kreme had come north. My secretary walked in and said, you keep eating that, that'll kill you. I said, what's the downside? <clears throat> I mean, I'm sitting in a comfortable chair eating a Krispy Kreme and look up and see Jesus. I'm struggling to find a negative in this scenario. <clears throat> so eat the food you want to eat. Listen to the music that moves your soul, that makes you happy, that even makes you dance. Wear your favorite clothes. I don't care if they're in style or not. Wear them. Surround yourself with beauty, sound, and pictures, and people. Read books and watch movies that make you happier. Even if you've got to cry to feel happy. I get that. I get that. But I, I know people that go to movies that scare them, that worry them, and such, because they feel like they've got to see. No, you don't have to see them. It's optional. My wife and I looked at the movies this weekend and went, Superhero, 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 raunchy, raunchy, raunchy. We're done. We don't need to go there. I don't need to put that in my head. I, I, I'm on a limited journey. I want happiness, bright beauty. I want good. Be, be glad you were there, wherever there is, and that you had the experience. And set aside some time every day to remember your joy. We sit and stew over grudges. We sat and stew over what people did to us 20 years ago. Stop it. All, all that does, carrying a grudge destroys you. It doesn't hurt them a bit. So sit aside a day, a part of every day, and remember your joy. I cannot tell you how many times a day Cammy comes in and sees me looking at my phone, grinning, because I'm looking at pictures of our grands. Well, why not? I've, I've only got like 20,000 pictures. I need to look at those things. I want to see them. Our loved ones will one day realize that a thin place has opened up and that we have crossed. But we will not be crossing alone. Those who've gone before will be there. 
Our Savior will be there. Our loved ones will one day follow our tracks. And they will be with us. They will enter the thin place. They will come and there will be joy. And so we remember. We remember. Days like Memorial Day are a good idea because they're a planned reflection, a planned reset. Some people died. They understood. They felt called to, to live a life that says liberty, freedom, such isn't free. And so they signed up. And whether you're a pacifist or whether you are a soldier, you've got to respect that somebody stood up, somebody went on. And so we acknowledge that. We walk through graveyards. And we stop and pray for a lost one, a loved one who's gone, but they're not really lost, they're waiting. Let there be joy in the sadness, knowing that all of this will come to pass as well. Everything does. But more than that, let there be knowledge that we too will come to our thin place. And if we've loaded up on love and sent enough ahead, that's going to be a good thing because we'll also be leaving enough love behind us so that what appears to be tragic really is not. Would you stand? And I'll read a section of 1 Thessalonians 4. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to live a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Work with your own hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring, those, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And the whole church says,